Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the Cabrogal clan of the Darug Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land we are meeting on today. We also pay our respects to the elders past, present and future of the Darug Nation. Hey friends, welcome to our podcast, A Seat at Our Table. Candid conversations about our Asian Australian experiences in the creative industry. I'm Tracy. I'm Wendy. We, we saved you a seat. Come, Come join us. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence. So EQ, what it is, how it was derived, why it's important in both our personal lives and our work lives, and then also how we can better build a higher EQ. So welcome to the episode. Good morning. Morning. Um, good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. AM, <laughs> PM, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this. Um, let's start with, Wendy, how would you define what emotional intelligence is? Um, I don't have, like, the technical definition, but the way that I think about it personally is, like, I guess how well you can acknowledge and have awareness of your own emotions and express them to others. But I think it's also like being able to read other people and understand like how they feel in a certain situation and also like how you make them feel. How did you first hear about it? I think I first heard about it through like my sister actually. Her and her partner bought me a book that's called um, I think like 20 20 Tools in the Emotional Intelligent Workplace. It's like a school of life book. Um, I think it was when I graduated and started working full time and they bought me that book. And that was the first time I learned about it as like a, um, what's the word, like a framework or a mindset. But before that, I never really thought about it as like anything really. But I think it's appeared in my life in the past in like psychometric tests and stuff yeah. like that. What a functional gift from your sister. <laughs> yeah, they buy me really good gifts. I think they know that I like like the school of life, like self-development stuff. Or well, back then yeah. I did. Yeah. when I was starting my career, how did you hear about it? Um, I think I don't actually fully remember, but I just remember there was a point in time, I think maybe in university when people started talking about EQ, I think it was a pretty new term, at least for me. I don't remember hearing about EQ in high school or anything like that, but mm. I just remember there was a point suddenly in uni when people started talking about what EQ was and how it was more important than IQ that was kind of the conversation that was being had where, you know, you know, people go, oh, she's got EQ, but she doesn't have, I mean, she's got IQ, but she doesn't have EQ. I remember people saying that oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you learn about it in your psych degree? No, I Never? don't think, I don't think so. It mm. might've been just a small part, but I don't think so. Maybe, maybe they did, yeah. but maybe they called it something else. Um, so I think my understanding was it was like, maybe like people skills and how you interact with people, how you can understand people's emotions and how it affects them, social awareness, but also how you can understand your own emotions and how that affects you. So I always kind of see it as like IQ is like kind of the very logical, objective kind of reasoning that's more, you can test it on paper, I guess. Whereas EQ, I find it is more like soft skills or emotional, um, subjective. That's how I saw it in my head. Yeah. I always see it in like a work context. So I, like I mentioned before, I often like correlate it with doing psychometric tests Mm. and like answering questions about like, tell me about a time when uh, you had a difficult scenario Mm. and how you resolved it. You know, like those types of questions, I always thought like, I guess like I didn't understand why 
they had to ask those questions initially. They were like, oh, are they testing if like I can resolve conflicts? And I understand, I understood that part of, but I didn't understand like it's like the broader framework that sits around it, which is emotional intelligence. And as I learned more about things like cultural fit, empathy, the ability to work in teams, uh, the ability to lead, I think these are all like factors that contribute to how emotional intelligent intelligence someone is Mm. yeah so i think i always see in a work context i don't really um i've never really thought about it deeply in a personal context yeah i think me too um because i guess personally you kind of don't think about eq feels like a very business term because i guess you would say in a personal context like people skills or you know like social awareness but you wouldn't use the term eq but i guess all of that falls under that um, the Harvard mm. Business School defines EQ as the ability to understand and manage your own emotions, as well as recognize and influence the emotion of others around you. So apparently the term was first coined in 1990s by researchers John Mayer and Peter Salovey, <laughs> um, but was later popularized by a psychologist named Daniel Goldman. Apparently yeah. it's also sometimes defined as emotional quotient, which is what EQ stands for. And then obviously compared to intelligence quotients, which is IQ. Um, mm. So it's a very interesting concept, I think. Have people stopped talking about it? I think it's more like um, the secondary layer to like how employers perceive the recruitment process. Yeah. So like, you know, you, you look at people's hard skills, you look at like, technically what are they good at yeah and then when you get through the interview process you you start to gauge whether someone has the ability to work in teams which i think is related to emotional intelligence but i don't think there is any like kind of measure Mm. that people put on it um or emphasis put on like how emotionally intelligent do you think that person is i think you would use like aspects of emotional intelligence to describe someone so like oh i think like you know they're very self-aware or they display like leadership skills where they're like leading from the back of the pack and like you know aware of everybody's emotions that type of thing yeah but i don't think you would ever like say how emotionally intelligent (laughs) do you think someone is um it's kind of weird to put a measure on someone like that yeah i think it's the same as like you don't ever ask how like what someone's iq IQ. (laughs) but socially you use it as a statement to either like i guess compliment someone or i don't know say something bad about someone saying like they've got low yeah high iq yeah but i I guess like eq doesn't pop up in conversations as much yeah but it does feel like it's not explicitly called out as eq but then i think eq is like so important as 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 people who hire people as well i think employers are probably looking for those soft skills more than they are looking for those hard skills. Yeah, for sure. Because like you need someone that a lot of work now is team-based, right? So you need someone that you can work with. You need someone who can, I guess, like be, I don't know if companions the right word, mm. but they need to be able to complement like, you know, your emotions and you can complement their emotions. Yeah. I think if, if you don't have that kind of same like base layer and can't connect on that level, it's like, you're not going to be a very productive team. That's the way that I see it. Yeah, they need to be switched on. If yeah. they're a bit derpy on the social sense, I think it's a bit... <laughs> like, it's eh. difficult. Yeah, you need people you can bounce off. That's, I guess that's what I was saying. But there are actually like four domains to emotional intelligence or EQ. So from like the same Harvard article, I was reading about the four domains, which are self-awareness, self-regulation, 
social awareness and social skills. So some of these like might sound really similar. When I read about it, I was like, oh, they seem like they overlap. Mm. And it starts with like self-awareness. So if you have the ability to identify and understand your own emotions and the impact we have on others. So it's kind of like speaking to the definitions that we had individually. Um, This is like almost the cornerstone or the start of emotional intelligence. If you have this, then you're already making like good headway. And the outcome of this is that people who are self-aware tend to be a more confident and they're more creative. And as a result, they also make like better decisions. They build stronger relationships and they communicate more effectively. So you're you're already like unlocking so many different things by just being self-aware. So I think it's so powerful. The second domain is self-regulation. Self-awareness opens the door to self-regulation, which is the ability to manage these emotions and behaviors. So it's once we're aware of these emotions, then we can start to kind of manage them and keep the disruptive emotions and impulses under control. So this is quite helpful in kind of tense and stressful situations and being adaptable to a variety of situations and also having a more positive outlook. So I guess being able to understand your emotions, being aware of your emotions, then you can start to manage and regulate your emotions. Yeah, it's like keeping yourself in check. Yeah. Of like being able to know what you, what level you're at, I guess. The third is uh, social awareness. So it's our ability to understand the emotions of others. Uh, a key component of this is empathy. So I think we learn a lot about empathy in the workplace. Like I've had, um, I guess, a lot of inductions where – They've had like a dedicated talk based on empathy. And then, you know, they go through the definition of what empathy is. It's about like identifying what others feel, sharing the emotion and wishing to improve the experience. So people with a strong social awareness tend toward kindness. So they tend to be uh, more kind and be able to read other people in the room. An important part of this, though, is that it doesn't mean they can't give others difficult feedback. In fact, they might be better because delivering tough love mm. means that they can understand the other person and help them improve. Yeah. Which I found really interesting because I didn't really think empathy and like, I guess, difficult feedback were related since it's like underpinned by kindness, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess if you have empathy, you can deliver feedback in a more kind way. I wonder if, can you teach empathy? Like, you know, in the workshops that you do, like, do you reckon somebody who doesn't have empathy does it help? It's it's a good question because I think when you have when you expose people to the concept of empathy, that in itself is making them more aware of mm. it, right? Yeah. It puts them in a situation where they need to question true. How empathetic am I as a person? Whereas someone who's never I guess been sat down and told what empathy is is less likely to even understand what it means and how it differs from sympathy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think yeah. if you get caught out or like if you get told of the concept, then you start thinking about it and hopefully that leads to change. Yeah. yeah. It's the same as this topic overall. I think like us talking about it has made me so aware of how emotionally intelligent yeah. I actually am. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, the last domain is social skills. So social skills are what separates a great manager from a good one. So these skills can include influence, conflict management, teamwork, and the ability to inspire others. People with strong social skills can make an enormous difference on a team and in organizations because they understand others and act on this knowledge to move people towards a common goal. So I feel like I see this as like the leadership almost aspect of it, or the influence aspect where being able to 
understand others, be socially aware, and then have the social skills to actually push influence into a group or a team, which I feel like maybe this domain is maybe the most challenging. It feels like, I don't know if it's a hierarchy, but it feels like you need to do one before you can do the other and then the other. Yeah, I think that's particularly true. Like I, with self-awareness, it like starts with that and then it kind of spreads the other three domains. But going back to your point about leadership as well, I don't think it's just like, I guess when we think about leadership, we think about the people who sit above us mm. in like the ranks, right? But I also think about people who are social leaders. I don't even know if this is a concept, I'm going to make it up. <laughs> but I think it's like people who are very like, just social in general as beings, right? And they bring the vibes to the team Mm. and they kind of like set the tone for the team. And I think like when you have someone who is incredibly great at like navigating social situations, you inherently feel a lot more comfortable. I'm definitely never the one to like be the first to set that tone. I kind of like follow other people. And I don't know if it's because like, you know, us as Asian Australians – in newer environments or in work environments, we tend to be, I guess we tend to take the vaccine or we tend to be observers. Yeah, it's like more than we are. Heads down, bums up type vibe, right? We just do the work instead yeah. of do the social thing. Like, I, I, you, there are people who are so charismatic that when they're missing from a team, you feel the absence, you know? Yes. Or like, yeah, the energy is just not there. And like, what you say about leadership is like, they don't have to be in a leadership position, but you can tell that they have social influence within the team. Yeah, they take that leadership role and particularly in that domain, yeah. which I think is like so impactful. Yeah. Why do you think um, emotional intelligence is like helpful for your personal or your work life? Um, well, I think work-wise was the first thing that came into my head is that it is so important, especially in my work where I'm sure a lot of people's works where you have to work as a team being in advertising, being in the creative industry, especially as my role in account management it is not a solo job. I need to work with people from different types of departments, different types of roles, people with different types of personalities, working styles. So being able to have EQ and understand people skills can really help get the job done smoothly. I think you have people at work where you could probably tell they don't have a lot of EQ and they're more focused on themselves as an individual rather than the team. Mm. And the jobs just don't run as smoothly. People aren't as happy. They're just not as satisfied. But I feel like it's so important to have the people skills to be able to work well with other people and just get the job done without conflict, I would say. And then I think another element at work for me that's really important is regulating your own emotions. I think work can be really stressful and advertising can be a very high pressure environment. And if you let that get to you personally, like it can lead to burnout, it can lead to, you know, conflict, it can lead to like a lot of stress. So I think it really pays to be able to regulate those emotions and say like cool, calm, collected. Like you don't want to work with a stress head at work because it just impacts yeah. you in a really bad way. Um, and then personally, I think it's just kind of being socially aware to build and maintain relationships and harmony in your friendship groups, in your relationships. And then I think, especially in group settings, it's important to read the room in your group setting, if you're in a team environment, sporting teams or friendship groups, or you're traveling with people, I think being intuitive and picking up on cues, if people are tired, if people feel a certain way, people feel awkward, people are uncomfortable, being able to adjust to those situations can really help you build relationships with others. So I think those that's the importance for me. How about you? Yeah, I think I agree with basically everything that you've said. Um, I guess to build on it, like we both work in 
agencies where it's all teamwork, mm. right? And at Future Friendly, we always talk about our pro- projects are team-based projects. So we always go in as a team. We're never leaving people working on their own. And I think that in itself already builds the environment to have to, you have to be capable of working in a team. And for me, in a work context, the way that I think about it is having good emotional intelligence means being a team player and being perceived as someone who's like capable of being thrown a challenge and then being able to manage it in a calm and collected way. And when like shit hits the fan, being able to navigate those, I guess, complex situations by, I guess, remaining calm and having like a more solution oriented mindset. So like not focusing on like, oh, what did we do wrong? Where did we go wrong? Um, Acknowledging that we didn't do too well. And then it's like, okay, so what can we do better? And then like doing that as a team and setting that as the tone. Um, So I think that's super important, just building on everything else that you said. I often get the feedback that like I'm relatively like cool, calm, collected in the workplace. And I think it stems from the fact that I know that's really important to have like a well-functioning team. Yeah. That reminds me, like, I think I also get that feedback that I'm cool, calm, collected. And it's funny because you tell, you can see people at work who you let the stress get get to them and then you see people at work who don't and I think I'm very fortunate because I have a manager who is very she's like the role model of cool come collected and I think her kind of working style has dropped off on me and it's it's funny because she's always goes you know when we're teaching juniors we want to teach that style of working you don't want to show yeah you don't want to freak out and get stressed over the little things because you're teaching your juniors to do the same so I think it's also important as a leader to remember that the way you react to things can influence the way other people react to things as well yeah, a hundred percent. Having been like a, I guess like a junior, not really being in a, like a leadership role for um, any of my career so far, I think I definitely being on the receiving end of that, like being on the receiving end of bad leadership versus good leadership has been so important because it's actually really framed up the way that I approach things as well. And I think it's like a domino effect, right? Yeah. So you really need to model like what you want others to model as well. Exactly. Um, I think also in a personal context, like building on what you said as well, I guess when conflicts arise in my friendships and relationships, that's when I'm like, okay, I need to tap into my emotional intelligence to keep the peace, Mm. you know, to be able to make sure that like, you know, everyone has their say and everyone is also having their emotions acknowledged as well. I mean, it's not always perfect and I'm, that's not always my approach. I guess it depends on um, the amount of people involved or who it involves as well. In the cases where I know like people are less likely to keep their emotions in check, I feel like I need to step in yeah. and be that person to kind of like ground everyone. And I think that's like so important. I guess that's like taking a leadership role mm. in a sense. Yeah. Um, but also having like the awareness allows me to do that and more um recently I think we've been playing volleyball a lot more so I thought about it like in a sport context Mm. so like being able to acknowledge where you are mentally and then being able to read other people's emotions as well and then kind of like trying to uplift the spirits when they're not there I think that's super important too yeah I think actually the volleyball examples are quite a good one I think because it can really get to you as an individual when you're playing and you're having a bad streak but volleyball is such a team environment and it's a team sport that when you let the emotions get to you, your team can feel it as well and it can bring the mood down. Yeah, and you see it. You see it in other sports as well. Like I think we've we've played Oztag and we've played <laughs> netball. And I think Oztag, Oztag is one of those sports where 
because you know that you can get by on your own, you're more likely to have, um, I guess, the reliance on yourself to carry the team. You're like, oh, people are not playing the way that I want them to play, so I'm going to try and carry this myself. Whereas in team sports like volleyball and netball, you can't do it alone. You can try your best and you can, like, you know, push maybe more than one of your teammates, but you can't do it alone. So I think, like, the difference in different types of team sports as well and what they've taught me about emotional intelligence and my approach to team sports or my mindset has also been, I guess, a contributing factor to my emotional intelligence. That's true. Anyway. That's true. Playing sports is an exercise in emotional intelligence. <laughs> we get practice every week. Twice a week. Twice a week. We get practice twice a week. Working on our EQ at, <laughs> at volleyball. Um, so what's the difference between people with low EQ and high EQ? I think we have a list here. Um, so people with low EQ often feel misunderstood. They get upset easily maybe tend to come become overwhelmed with emotions and they have problems being assertive. Mm. And on the flip side, people with high IQ understand the links between their emotions and how they behave. They remain calm and composed during stressful situations. They're able to influence others towards a common goal, which sounds a little bit manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they can handle difficult people with tact and diplomacy. So, Across like these two, where do you think you sit on the scale? Um, it's hard because I don't know. But when I thought about, it, I was like, I would hope I'm above average. So, but I don't think I I'm on like a ten out of ten EQ. I thought like maybe like a seven out of ten EQ if there was even a scale. Um, I think there's things I do well and things I can definitely improve. Like I wouldn't say I have the best out of everybody, the best EQ. You know. Um. So I think. If you go back to the domains or whatnot, I would say that self-awareness, I would say probably is my strong suit. I'm pretty self-aware as a person and I feel like I can be very socially as well, aware as well. I think I have a pretty good gut instinct feeling when something's wrong mm. in a social setting or when someone feels down or when someone's reacting to something a little bit different. I feel like I have a pretty good instinct and intu- intuition on like what that person's feeling. So I feel like that awareness aspect I'm pretty good at. And I feel like in conflict, I can be very unbiased and diplomatic and kind of see it from multiple perspectives. So I think that I do well. I think the areas that I kind of want to improve is like emotionally regulating if I get into really stressful situations personally. I feel like I do it well in a workplace because I'm like, it's a work environment. It doesn't really impact me that much. Like I can get, I won't get let the stress get to me. I'm more problem solution oriented. But in a personal Mm. sense, sometimes I let my anxiety and my panic and the stress get to me. So then it's just kind of like learning to not tunnel vision and let that stress me out and then regulate that more. And so, yeah, I think I would say hopefully above average EQ, but not the best EQ. Room for improvement. Yeah, I think I'm the same. Like it's, I'd like to think my EQ leans more to the high side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everyone's it's really hard imagine to if everyone's, everyone's listening to him and like, Tracy, when you have no EQ, like what? <laughs> That's really funny because, like, um, when I was, like, reading through articles about emotional intelligence, a lot of them were saying that, like, sometimes people do EQ tests for themselves and it ends up being, like, completely skewed in comparison to, like, other people giving you feedback. So, yeah, let us know. Maybe I'm a six six out of ten. I'll be (laughs) 
conservative. 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 Yeah, six out of ten. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to put a number on it, but when if I like explain, I guess like why I think I sit at that point in the scale, it's because I think I am observant. Like the role that I play often is like I'm quite observant and I can read the room and then I can act accordingly depending on the environment that I'm in. So that being like if if I'm in a work context or in a personal context. And I always try and like to put myself in other people's shoes. So um, empathizing before like I form an opinion Mm. about why they might be behaving the way that they are um, rather than trying to like immediately jump to my own agenda first. I think people, you, you do see that in the workplace that people like jump to their own agenda first and they talk about their own emotions, but they don't take a second to think about like, why is a person reacting yeah. the way that they are? Yeah. So I think um, in a work context, I think it's a lot stronger. But in a personal context, I think I'm less likely to be aware of my emotions or in control of it because I guess it feels like it's a safe environment. Yeah, you let your guard like, down, right? You don't have to show the yeah. perfect self. Yeah. Yeah. And often that can result in acting selfishly and I've been guilty of that. And I guess like feeling more personally attacked then rather than trying to view the whole situation objectively, mm. like I've seen that play out for myself in a um, personal context, but in a work context, I'm always like, okay, every piece of feedback is not personal, you know, but yeah, it's not personal. Yeah. So it's really funny that you can like see how your emotional intelligence, I like, guess, sways depending on like the environment that you're in. Yeah. I guess there's more emphasis when you're studying at school in the uni to work on EQ for in a workplace but not in a personal. And then I feel like it's that thing where we're so used to separating work and personal life as two separate things. Whereas now I feel like it's merging and there's only like one self rather than your work self and your personal self. So it's very interesting that there's that difference there. Um, Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I guess like it's interesting to talk about what happens if EQ is lacking in a workplace or in a team. So, thanks to Notion AI, a few symptoms, I guess, of low EQ. Um, I actually find these like really, really relatable because I've been in a situation where there's been really low EQ. So, one is like there's poor communication and collaboration among team members. So, people are like working in silos, people are not communicating about what they're doing. Um, and that can lead to like increased conflicts and negative emotions. So things like anger, worry, shame, disappointment, fear, guilt, and then that results in like decreased morale and productivity. The third thing is like difficulty in managing stress and pressure. So it leads to burnout and turnover. I've definitely felt this. Fourth is like lack of empathy and understanding towards like your customers or your clients. And that leads to poor customer service or client service. And the very last one is it's difficult to adapt to change and handling challenges, which means that um, that leads to poor problem-solving skills. Have you experienced any of these in your workplace? Yeah, I think um, I've noticed that mainly, Not, I guess it's more obvious in leaders. Um, you can tell when they've got poor EQ, not poor EQ, but like aspects of poor EQ. And I think, I think one of the ones that I've seen is like, you know, leaders who are very driven by their own agenda mm. rather than supporting the team. So for example, if 
this conflict with if a team member is having conflict with another person instead of the leader supporting their team member they kind of throw them under the bus or they're like blaming them or not really being supportive so I think there's just a difference between leaders who really care about their team team members or can read the emotions of the team and then leaders who are like more get the job done you know I only care about the outcome I don't care about the people type type leaders Mm. so I do see that and then I also see like workmates non in a non-leadership um role that who let the stress gets to them and then take it out on people that they work with yeah and I've definitely been in meetings where they were super awkward like when emotions are running high you can really see who handles things well handles stress well and who who doesn't like I've been in cause where like somebody was super stressed there was conflict oh well not conflict it was more like a heated discussion about a process or a, a job but that person took it personally and they kind of left the call Oh, but it no. wasn't a per- it wasn't a personal thing, you know. It was like yeah. we're talk- we're talking about the process or the job. We're not talking about you personally. But some people just take criticism really personally, mm-hmm. even though it's like we're supposed to be working together to solve a problem as a team. Rather than we're not bringing up problems because we're saying you're at fault. We're just saying how can we fix this? So I- I've definitely seen people not be able to handle stress in a good way and like result into like passive aggressive behavior or like shutting down conversations, not problem solving. So it just gets really awkward. Yeah, I, I've been in those similar situations and it's like so uncomfortable because you're like, yeah. oh no, this is going down the wrong route. Yeah, Stop. I know. You're like, chill, da- everybody like dam- relax. <laughs> yeah, like damage control. <laughs> Somebody yeah. help. Yeah, but the, I think the fact that we can like even read the room in itself is like a testament to our ability to have that, I guess, instinct. Um yeah. I have seen it in particularly like high stress environments as well. It really, really highlights or separates those with high and low EQ. Like you can tell by the way people ask questions as well. Like I think people with high EQ kind of go, okay, so like how can we solve this problem together? Yes. What are the things that we can do together um, to get the result that we want? Whereas I think people with lower EQ just kind of talk at the problem. And they kind of like make the problem even bigger than what it needs yeah. to be rather than focusing on like, what is the thing that we're actually here to do? Yeah. Um, so I think like those people who have high EQ tend to be like cool, calm, collected, and they've got like positive intent to find a yes. solution. Whereas like those who let the situation get the better of them are probably like thinking about themselves, what they need and have tunnel vision. And they're kind of incapable of seeing like, okay, what are the subsequent impacts of me acting like this going to, um, I guess, influence others to behave differently as well. But I do think like when someone's in leadership and they have low EQ, it's like a snowball effect. Like it like messes up the whole team. And I've seen it play out and being the person who's standing from the outside looking in, you're just like, man, I'm so glad I'm not part of that team. (laughs) Because it just, yeah, it just seems like it's like, oh, this is heading to a place where, like, you know, people's um, – not only are their emotionals, emotions at stake, I think their, like, mental health is at mm. stake as well. And then that's going to – like, people going to get sick. Like, I've seen people being, like, admitted to hospital as a result of being in a bad team. You know, I've heard stories about that. And that's, like, yeah. the worst-case scenario. You don't want to be working people to the bone 
with no objective in mind and you're not working together, I think it's particularly yeah. that like burnout point. And then people end up like leaving. As yeah, a you want to work with know? managers who make you dread working because of them basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think as I was going through this as well, I was kind of thinking like, okay, so we're thinking about how emotionally intelligent we are as people. Um, but is there like a way to actually like measure it mm. and understand like where you are, how you're doing. And what's interesting is like those four domains that we spoke to earlier, they break down into 12 competencies. So um, you get measured against like how well you do in these competencies. So um, there's like this little graph and it's called emotional intelligence domains and competencies. So it splits into self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So self-awareness is just like emotional self-awareness. So having awareness of how you are feeling and being able to express those to others. Then self-management is like having control of that, being able to adapt to other situations, having achievement orientation. So that's speaking specifically to um, like, are you seeking new opportunities to constantly improve? And then the last one is having like a positive outlook. So just having a positive mindset towards whatever it is you're doing or the situation that you're in. And then social awareness is really simple. It's two things. So empathy and then organizational awareness. So I think that's more, I guess, like talking about the the business or the organization you work in, how it's structured, what is the culture like, how does that impact you as well? And then lastly, I think this one's very uh, leadership focused. So relationship management, this is about, influence, being able to coach and mentor, being able to manage conflict, teamwork, and inspirational leadership. Um, I feel like the last one is like least relatable for me because I haven't really been in leadership positions. But what are the areas of these different competencies do you think you do well in versus the ones that you think you can improve in? Mm. Um, I think I mentioned before, but I think the self-awareness column, I feel like I do well in. And I think reflecting on why I just think it just comes from years and years of journaling and reflecting like mm. I just think that has contributed to why I'm self-aware because I just have the habit of journaling my emotions and journaling how I feel so I can identify when I'm feeling things um social awareness I think I think I'm pretty good at organizational awareness too kind of looking at the dynamics at work and the politics mm. and kind of seeing what's going on and I was like what what could what could have contributed to this? I was like, maybe being exposed to a big family, maybe having different friendship groups, also maybe being extroverted and having the experience of interacting with a lot of different people. Um, I think that's important. I think a, a thing I would say is, I mentioned before, self-management, I think I'm pretty good at, but then there's still work there to do, making sure that negative emotions doesn't, doesn't let me down. Things like self-doubt. I think I have like a lot of self-doubt and like confidence, um, things to work on. So I think I'm aware of that. But it's more so now what is the action I can take to improve that, the next Mm. step. Um, And then I think the last one you mentioned, like relationship management, I think this is the one I have least experience in, in terms of influencing others, coaching and mentoring in a more impactful way. Because sometimes when I'm mentoring people, I feel self-conscious in terms of, am I just saying stuff? Am I just talking, but not making an impact, you know? Like how can I truly make an impact and connect with people who I'm mentoring or coaching. I think I haven't really worked that out yet. And then obviously inspirational leadership and how to inspire people. I don't really know how to do that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, 
a good point that you bring up like around um, the difference between like people who are just like leading from the front of the pack versus leading from the back of the pack and like yeah. making actual impact on the people that they talk to. Cause I've been, I've had the same mindset where I'm like, I've been told to like just help someone and I'm like, okay, well now that puts me in like a more leadership position. And then now I have to, I guess like switch on a different part of my brain to truly help them. Um, But I guess it also, it all stems from experiences kind of like what I'm hearing, like from your personal experiences, but also your team experiences. That's how I, I guess I perceived or reflected on like the areas that I did well and the areas that I didn't. So I think similar to you, I do well in like emotional awareness, adaptability, having like a positive outlook and teamwork. And I think the reason for that really is the fact that I've been through so many different jobs where there's been Mm. so many different like work cultures and work environments and team sizes as well really, I think, influences this. I think that's led me to being more exposed to um, different types of teams and how different dynamics work together and then how I can adapt as an individual within that team i think conflict is also a good thing like i think having a fair share of conflicts in team having that experience dealing with conflict also helps yeah because like you you almost like reflect back on that and you also know what the benchmark is for like what to do versus what not to do and what's worked well with other people so i do think like it's just as you gain more experience whether that's in work or your personal life it leads to i guess like better awareness of like how you can do better as to be an, an emotional intelligent person. Um, but I also think that like, interestingly enough, like in group settings personally, I think in the cases where I've needed to kind of like, I guess, drive the social group, like as in like take responsibility for a certain thing or even in group work, for example, in university, I think that comes with the pressure of setting a good example and setting the tone for the team so I think that in itself helps you I guess build more of those leadership skills so I don't Mm. think you need to be in a leadership role to do that it's like I guess the role that you have to play in certain parts of like a project or I don't know a personal experience um but I think similar to you what I want to do better in is all the leadership stuff because I guess I'm not in a position to be leading at the moment but because that's like on the horizon for me like as the next step I'm kind of thinking about it more. So I guess like having awareness of that is making it more front of mind for me. And the other thing that I actually think I struggle with is achievement orientation. Even though I'm a very ambitious person, I'm like, I'm always like, oh, I want to improve, but I don't know how, or I don't know what's the best next step. Because I almost feel like I'm paralyzed by the amount of things that I can do Mm. to improve that I don't know where to begin. Yeah, And it's like, I just want progress now. Yeah. So I just want to see results like tomorrow. But I think having patience with that process as well is something that I want to, I guess, grapple with better. Yeah. And then are you good at seeking out feedback as well? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe I'm, I think I'm better at like self-criticism and then that mm. invites feedback. So by self-criticism, I mean like I find it really hard to accept compliments in the workplace Mm -hmm. I instantly go like oh yeah thanks but I think I could have done this better yes yeah you know and then that invites people to provide feedback as to validating my feelings whether that was like right or wrong yeah and um but I think I need to stop doing that (laughs) 
Yeah, just accept the compliment. Yeah, like, oh, thank you, you know? Like, and then that's end of conversation. But I always am so self-deprecating when it comes to that because I just, yeah. I don't know, I get weird about compliments. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy to accept compliments. Yeah. I don't know why it's not easy, but yeah. yeah. But what you said about the leadership thing, like kind of leading from the top and leading from the back, that's really interesting. And I feel like we should do a separate episode about leadership as well mm. because I think there's a lot to unpack there about the different types of leaders. It made me think that like, as an in person, not of a leadership role, but in a team, I feel like I have quite significant influence. Like I have influence in a social environment, but as soon as I get put as a leader, that's when I like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, it's yeah. interesting because it's like, you can, I don't know, I'm better at influencing as a team member rather than influencing yes. at the top. And that's probably just lack of experience and not knowing which skills to bring forward and which to not. So, and it's also, yeah. also I think it's, there's the expectation of what leadership is. So maybe there's something there in terms of you feel that a leader needs to be X, Y, Z, which is why when you get to that position, you feel the pressures and you don't know what to do because of what yeah. society thinks a leader should be. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's like, uh, it depends on your the, your team and how your um, organization works. Is it like more of a flat hierarchy or yeah. is it more like top down? If it's top down, there's obviously more pressure and responsibility on the people who sit at the top. But if it's more of a flat hierarchy, like I think everyone's an equal, right? So everyone has yeah. equal responsibility to lead in a certain way. Yeah. Like as an example, for me at Future Friendly, it means like leading conversations that are focused on design because yeah. I have that expertise. So that is the expectation of myself to be able yes. to have that influence. Whereas if someone's just asking me to like lead in general in a team, I do feel like the same as you, like, oh, now, oh, oh no, like suddenly it's a big Mm -hmm. looming like cloud over your head like fuck i need to do a good job yeah. you know but what does that mean <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah yeah it's a lot but when i was looking through it i was like so is there actually like a number you can put in yeah. yourself on how emotionally intelligent you are and there are like surveys free surveys and stuff that you can do out there but more i guess um broadly across the world there is a test called the Emotional Quotient Inventory 2.0, shortcutted to like EQI 2.0. So this is like the first scientifically validated exam assessment, and it's like the most widely used across the world. So it was developed 20 years ago with global research. That's about the time that it started to become like a topic with Daniel Goleman and everything. But basically, it's like an online self-rating assessment tool. And then you have the option to add like a 360 feedback tool. So getting feedback from your peers, but yeah. at a deeper level, what happens is like, it's comprised of a lot of different questions. So I compared it to like Myers-Briggs, for example, you get like 130 questions and you answer it in relation to emotional intelligence. So in general, it's like a statement where you rate how much it resonates with you. So for example, um, I do not become defensive when criticized. And then you rank, mm. like, do you strongly agree to strongly disagree? Or like, maybe you're neutral. Um, so we've put out a few questions. I'm going to read some out. And then I think we can talk about, like, I guess how much we agree and disagree and have like a more broader assessment yeah. of ourselves. Um, but there are some examples of questions are like, I'm able to control my impulses and delay gratification when necessary. I usually know the right thing to say to make people feel better. I'm good at sensing when people are upset, even if they don't say anything. Um, I'm comfortable giving difficult feedback to others. And I'm able to stay calm, focused, uh, and focus in stressful situations. 
and um, I'm able to like adapt my communication style to suit different people and situations. I can read people's emotions through their like body language and tone of voice. I'm good at building strong relationships with others and I'm able to handle conflict in a productive way and I'm able to motivate and inspire others to achieve their goals. So a lot of these are like, I guess like referencing different parts of that, those four domains. Yeah. Yeah. It it would be interesting to do this and then have somebody close to you do this for you and see how different or similar the results are. Yeah. I think even like the 10 questions I thought about, I guess like categorizing in the different domains and like where, where I sit in them. And I, I personally feel confident in the the statements where I am in control of myself. Yeah. So for example, I'm able to stay calm and focused in stressful situations. I would mark myself as like an agree on that. Right. But then the ones where it's like involving others. So I'm comfortable giving difficult feedback to others. Mm. I feel like, I'm like a bit neutral about that because I'm unsure. Um, And I guess like it's because I put pressure on myself to want to do the best thing for the other person. So the constructive, giving constructive feedback that's actually impactful, but it's also because I always want to see people in the best light. So that makes, that puts me in a position where I have to, um, I guess like try and pick at their flaws in a way. Yeah. Um, And I think like the other thing is like, I also find, consoling other people quite unnatural yeah me too I I wonder if it's like it stems from you know the way we manage conflict as Asians in our upbringing that's just like a thought that I had I mean we we recently did an episode on conflict which is probably why that's like top of mind for me yeah Yeah. I think when reading through these statements like similar to you the one that says what is it I'm I usually know the right thing to say to make people feel better. That the, the consoling people, that's the part that I would find the hardest. And like being able to motivate and inspire, inspire others to achieve their goals. Like I don't know if I do that. But like you said, the ones where I'm in control, such as, you know, I'm able to handle conflict in a productive way. Like I feel pretty confident in that. I'm able to control my impulses. I'm pretty confident in that. But then the part where you start involving other people, I just don't know because you could say one thing, but another person could say another thing too, you know? Like I don't know how unbiased my response to those things would be. Yeah. Um, When I was like reading through the Harvard articles, there was like a really interesting stat that made me question everything. (laughs) But essentially there was a study by Tasha Yurik, who I believe is, I think a psychologist. Um, But she found that 95 participants, 95% of participants in a particular study gave themselves like high marks in self-awareness, right? But when they use more like empirical measures of self-awareness, the study found that only actually 10 to 15% of the cohort was truly self-aware. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's like a huge gap. That's like almost like 80, 80%, right? Yeah. And I, I guess like it made me question how I see myself and how emotionally intelligent I think I am and how self-aware I am might be completely skewed. Mm. Um. And I guess, like, it it made me question, like, am I actually emotionally intelligent? Yeah, exactly. This whole thing yeah. made me question. I'm like, maybe I'm not. We should we should ask people. We should ask people. People let us know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Give us some honest feedback, friends. <laughs> but I think even, like, between ourselves in the friendship that we've had, like, yeah. I think, like, I do agree with a lot of, like, the statements, like, for you and yourself and yeah. how you see yourself. I do agree. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that's, like, completely not correct yeah 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 i see that too. yeah yeah 
But yeah. But the, the funny thing is that, like, actually managers and CEOs supposedly um, tend to be, like, less self-aware. Mm. It might be because of, like, the authority positions they're put in and then, like, not being in a team environment as often as, like, people on the ground. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Could be argued the other I, way as well. I, I, do. I, I guess I potentially see that. But also maybe people who are rating their CEOs and managers, they're probably seeing them in a negative light, more of a negative light, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So with that 360 feedback thing, like it gets you to get people from all different levels mm. to rank you so that there is like a, I guess, a good um, spread of yeah. perspectives. The other question that I had was like, so can you actually improve your EQ? Is it something that you can like work on in the background and eventually like build I guess, high EQ. Like, I feel like with IQ, it's like you do the test and if your IQ is low, you're like, oh, should I study oh, shit. more? <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's more about like smarts, right? Whereas like EQ yeah. is like quite built on intuition. Um, so from Harvard, they said that emotional intelligence is a set of skills and behaviors. So while some people are more naturally adept certain aspects it can be learned developed and enhanced so good that's news for com- everyone that's comforting because i feel like the story around eq is that oh your eq is set right so people might feel quite disheartened that they can't improve eq but knowing that i mean sorry iq not being to improve iq but then knowing that eq can be flexible and can be learned that's quite comforting because you don't have to rely on your iq to get yeah. by but also there's conversations around iq not being the best measure of intelligence as well because a lot of it is testing so you can learn to be better at tests but does it actually improve your intelligence there's a whole conversation around that as well yeah it's like the hsc right mm-hmm. i feel like i just hated the hsc so much because i'm like why is my entire schooling life being i guess like reduced to one test an exam and I don't do well in exams. Like yeah. I freak out. I have a bad day. And that's exactly what happened on one of my exams. And then I just yeah. like completely flunked it. Yeah. And I feel like with emotional intelligence, it's the opposite where you can continue building on it. The more experience that you get, the different workplaces you expose yourself to. Um, but I think to improve your emotional intelligence, it starts from like that first domain. So yeah. having self-awareness and then progressively working into the other areas so that because they're dependent on each other yeah it was just kind of what we touched up earlier as well but there's three steps here towards improved emotional intelligence so the first one is to recognize your emotions and to name them so what emotions are you feeling right now can you name them when in a stressful situation what emotions typically arise and how would you like to respond in these situations and can you stop and pause and reconsider your response so kind of taking a moment to name your feelings and temper your reactivity is an integral step towards um, EQ. So I think this is very relevant because when I journal, I try to do that as well in terms of like what my emotions, what I'm feeling, why I could be feeling those things. So I think definitely agree that this is really, really helpful. Um, two, asking for feedback. So audit your self-perception by asking managers, colleagues, friends or family how they would rate your emotional intelligence. So, for example, ask them how you respond to difficult situations, how adaptable or empathetic you are, and how well you handle conflict. It's not always what you want to hear, but it will often be what you need to hear. 
I think the 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 one in that where I'm like, oh, I think I need to do that, but that makes me feel so uncomfortable is the family one. Mm. Like I think particularly right now where I'm at an age with my sisters where the way that we communicate is a lot more mature, right? Because like when we were young, we would like butt heads and we were fine and whatnot. But now I think we're looking back on the way that we grew up with each other and how we, I guess, behaved with each other. Like the other day my sister was saying something like, yeah, when Winnie was growing up, she had like behavioral issues. (laughs) And I was like, what? Okay. I was like, oh my God did I? And then I was like questioning everything. And I, I think I like was quite an uh, aggressive, not aggressive. Um, yeah. Maybe aggressive child. Yeah. <laughs> like I was always like resorting to like hitting my sisters when we were fighting and stuff like yeah. that. It's completely different to who I am now, yeah. but I feel like for my sister to say that because she grew up with me in the same household, I was a bit like, Ooh, did she give back. examples? Like did she explain what she meant? Oh yeah. She was like, Oh, like, one time um, I hit, like, my second sister with, like, a ruler. Like, you know, <laughs> one of those bendy rulers? Yeah. And she was saying, like, yeah, she hit her in the head because I think she was telling my partner a story while we were camping. And I was like, okay, fact check. I didn't hit her on the head. I hit her on the back. But, <laughs> st- <laughs> but still, you know. And I think just thinking about it now, I think, like, I, if I was to ask my family for rating my emotional intelligence, I wonder what they would say now that I'm an yeah. adult. Because yeah, when I was a kid, I think I was definitely low EQ. Yeah, but I think that's all kids, right? Yeah. As a kid, when you're younger, it's very hard to have control over your EQ. You're growing, you have teen angst. Like, yeah. I think it's pretty understandable. Yeah, for sure. And you need the experiences, the life experiences to get you to where you are now. Yeah, I think you need things that humble you. I think yep. for me, it was living away from home and being homesick as soon as I got there. Because I yeah. thought I was like oh, I'm leaving to France. I'm going to live my best life. As soon as I got there, shit hit the fan and I was like, <laughs> shit, I want to go home. Yeah. And I've never felt so weak before. Yeah. And I think that really, really humbled me because I really relied on my friends and family to get me through that. Yeah, you need some turbulence in your life. <laughs> or character yeah. building. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, yeah. The last step towards um, improved EQ is reading literature, which is interesting because studies show that reading literature with complex characters can improve our empathy. So reading stories from other people's pers- perspectives help gain insight into their thoughts, motivation and actions, and may help enhance your um, social awareness, which I agree with. I think people who are more well-read, they do feel more empathetic because they get an insight into people's emotions and inner dialogue and whatnot, even if it's fiction. Yeah, that's... Very, very, um, I guess, surprising to me because I don't really read fiction all that much. Yeah. Because I'm always like, oh, they're just like fake stories or like made up stories that aren't based on true um, experiences and facts. But I've read like fiction more recently and I'm starting to enjoy it a little bit more. And I think like this is yeah a little bit of a wake up call. Yeah, because I guess reading fiction is not just about entertainment or escapism, right? When you read it, you you actually get an insight into somebody else's perspective that you may not know. Mm. And then, like, you see yourself in characters and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Cool. I think the other other one that I've been talking about throughout this episode is, like, modeling behavior for others. So I guess highly emotionally intelligent people are the ones who are less, uh, more likely to set the vibes for the team. 
you know, like I feel like it's contagious when there's one person who models like high EQ behavior and it starts to like influence how others behave as well. I think it goes back to that point where I was like, oh, that seems a little bit manipulative. Um, And so I think it's like, if you can establish like a culture of emotional intelligence in the workplace, that not only sets examples for others, but I think it also recognizes and celebrates people who are emotionally intelligent. And then like, you know, everyone's better off because you're in a good working environment and then there's like the team is productive, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone's happy, rainbows, sunshines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess like to end, I found this really nice quote when I was doing the research for this, right? Um, so it goes, start making heroes of people who help other people. It's not just the person who got to the top of the mountain first. It's all the people who helped them. Uh, if you want to encourage good team behavior, recognize it and call it out for what it is, which I think is like so nice because I think that is going to help me um, think about what type of like leader I want to be. Mm. And I think the best leaders that I have been in awe of in the workplace are the ones who are like recognize their team first give credit to the people who yes. built the thing, you know? Yeah. My best managers are always the people who care, right? Like they, re- you yeah. can tell they really care about you, the team. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to get better at emotional intelligence, two things you can do or read are Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. So that book is like highly, highly, highly recommended by all articles because it was like, almost like he was like the founding father of like emotional intelligence in terms of documenting it and explaining it in a way that has been impactful for workplaces and whatnot. And the other one that I referenced, which was the emotionally intelligent office, 20 key emotional skills for the workplace by the school of life. Life. It's actually quite like a nice small book, but then basically it goes through the 20 different skills. We didn't talk about 20 today, but I think it breaks it down at a really granular level, like adaptability and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, good place to start if you want to become more emotionally intelligent. Ashley might reread that book. Yeah, nice. about it now. Yeah. Share your insights with us when you're done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, on to dinner table questions. So the first is, which of your five senses is the weakest? Okay, what are the five senses? Uh, hearing, smelling. Smell, touch. Taste, touch. Sight? Yeah, sight. I think is hearing I'm gonna say smell or hearing. Wow, we're the same. Is it? Yeah, I, I'm the same. Like I, I, I think hearing probably is the worst. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, not I have... physically, but like in terms of like, I don't think I can process things if I'm hearing it but not seeing it. You know? Yes. Isn't this like, I think it's the conversation we were having the other day at volleyball when we were doing the score sheet. It's like we are are visual learners. They put the two visual learners in front of the score sheet and then they're just numbers and like very confusing. Yeah. But I'm the same that like sometimes my my partner has really good uh, smell. So he'll go, can you you smell that? Is that? And then I'm like, I smell nothing. Yeah. I reckon I do. I do think that I have a problem with my sinuses though. (laughs) <laughs> Hence the, like, really really bad um, allergies and stuff. Okay, I'm not making excuses for myself. But also hearing. Sometimes people speak to me and I'm like, you know when you're in a room <laughs> at work and people are, like, talking to you and you're, like, you're, like nodding and you're like, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you actually can't hear anything, so no. you just la- laugh and you yes, say yes. <laughs> I try not to do that anymore, but genuinely I'm just like, I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I just kind of, like, 
yeah, okay. And then conversation moves on. I'm like, well, it's too late to ask what they said. Yeah. 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 I struggle okay. with that. And I have to put, yeah, I don't know. I Hearing is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I really hope when I get older, I'm not like hard of hearing. Yeah. I think everyone just needs to speak more articulately. (laughs) (laughs) It's not me, it's them. (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, use words, be a bit louder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Second question, what is your favourite sleeping position? Or what is your go-to? These days I've been having trouble finding a sleeping position. Like, I alternate between lying... I'm a side. I I used to be a side sleeper, or I am still a side sleeper, but I alternate between side sleeping... And then lying flat on my back. Yeah, I always thought you were lying flat on your back because when we travel together, you always be like lying flat on your back and like cross arms. On top That's of because I'm sleeping right next to you. Like, I'm not gonna go go to the side and like cozy up to you. <laughs> no, like okay, so for me, I sleep on my side, but I always face away from the person that mm. I'm sleeping with. And I, I guess like I only think about that now because like I sleep with my partner in the bed as well. Yeah, but when that. I was like sleep sleeping by myself. I think I would always have like I would always face the wall rather than face the outside. That mm, makes sense. Protection. Yeah, yeah. But I'm always a side sleeper, and I need to now. Previously, I never used to have to do this, but now I have to hug a pillow. I'm one it's of those better people for now. your back, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that explains sleep, the scoliosis. if you sleep on the side and then you like um, hug the you know like a pillow between your legs. It's good for your back, apparently. It's a good mm. Sleeping position. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I actually used to sleep on my side a lot, like all the time. And then I got piercings, couldn't sleep on my side for oh. months whilst I got recovered. And then I became a back sleeper. <laughs> so that's why I alternate oh. between the two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, last question. What is your favorite time of the day? Um, mine would be either like really, not really early in the morning, but in the morning before like the chaos of the day starts yeah. or it's um, sunset golden mm. hour yeah, yeah to be basic what about you yeah. i was gonna say the exact same thing <laughs> as in i like mornings are probably my favorite time of the day basically anytime the sun is up mm. i like the sun being up and i like morning i like like from 10 o'clock nine o'clock onwards you know like that the morning period from nine to eleven I like yeah that's the time I like 9 to 11 where it's like the sun's up it's like a fresh start a new day you know yeah yeah like, and let's you, go see and it's quite it's quiet time but as soon as lunch gets comes around it just gets too busy I'm like oh my god there's yeah. so much happening people are eating <laughs> like the world is awake you know and then yeah. obviously a sunset for aesthetic purposes I like sunset yeah yeah I don't like nighttime at all yeah yeah Agreed. I don't like the nights I need to see <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I need a vision. <laughs> yeah. So that wraps up our emotional intelligence episode. Like I really enjoyed doing this because I actually learned so much about the topic itself. And I think we're questioning things we've never questioned before. Mm-hmm. And I think ironically now I think I'm gonna be more self-aware about it. So I've never really thought about emotional intelligence that deeply before. Or at all no. really, and how it impl- applies to me. So a really nice episode to do. Yeah. Well, until next time, friends. Thank you. Bye. Bye.